Welcome to the Eagle's Nest with your host, Daniel Locke, on Weagle 91.1 FM. It is a beautiful t- Thursday afternoon here in Auburn, Alabama, a little chilly. As I said, my name is Daniel Locke. I'm a freshman here at Auburn. Thank you for tuning in to our debut broadcast here from the Melton Student Center in the Bradley Basin Weagle Studio. I look forward to getting into the action today. If you want to be part of it, feel free to tweet at me at Daniel J. Locke or DM me on Instagram at the Daniel Locke. Without further ado, let's get into the action today in the Eagle's Nest. First things first, I had the privilege of traveling up to State College, Pennsylvania for the top 25 matchup this weekend between our beloved Auburn Tigers and the Penn State Nittany Lions. The Nittany Lions decided to make this contest their annual whiteout game, which is truly quite the experience. Their fans are great, very, very passionate, the kindest folks you will ever meet. It is the best college football atmosphere that you could conjure up for a top 25 matchup. The travel experience was great. I saw tons of Auburn fans in the Atlanta airport on the way up. My flight was full of them. It was great to talk to them, share experiences with them. Overall, just a really, really good experience um, in the process of getting up to Pennsylvania for the game. The scenery was awesome up there in State College, driving over from Philadelphia. One of the most beautiful three-hour stretches I've ever seen, just the pure country and mountain, mountain-esque feel, just it's, it's a picture-perfect view, like ultimate postcard scenery feels from that drive. And something that I really hope I get to do again one day. And as I said earlier, the Penn State fans are phenomenal, such great people, very passionate. And I so much enjoyed getting to know them, getting to be around them. And it's worth noting that the one person in wearing Penn State gear who I had a negative experience with, his friends told him to knock off the negative behavior. That's just something that you don't see at a lot of places. And um, it was honestly a really refreshing change. Um, now, getting into the game, some issues. or Overall, I feel like the Auburn played decently. There are plenty of things to critique. Number one, Bo Nix threw the ball too much. 37 attempts is way too many when you have two stud running backs with Jarquez Hunter and, of course, Tank Bigsby. Bo Nix during the game went 21 for 37, which, as I said, he does not need to throw the ball that much. 185 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That's just not that's not a great day. Um, not horrible, but not great. Definitely not what you need going into a game of that caliber, especially when... Sean Clifford of the Penn State Nittany Lions definitely outplayed him, which Clifford is no better than Knicks, I feel like. But judging by that one game, Clifford went 28 on 28 completions on 32 attempts for 280 yards and two touchdowns. He did throw one interception, but it was at the end of the half, so it doesn't really matter too much. But... Yeah, Sean Clifford played great, and the Auburn defense did not do a good enough job of keeping him in check. The second biggest critique I have with Auburn was the play calling. It often did not make sense. 
There were two fourth and one type scenarios that I didn't agree with, such as opting to kick for a field goal and then going with some wheel route when you have Tank Bigsby on both of those, who is more than capable of just slamming it up the middle for a likely touchdown. And even if not, you pin the Penn State offense on the one-yard line. So definitely something to think about moving forward for this Brian Harson-led team and Mike Bobo, Auburn's offensive coordinator. Another thing for Auburn is the penalties. We need to limit those going forward. Six penalties is way too many for any game, but when you have six penalties in arguably one of the most important games you'll have in this season, just not good at all. 45 yards lost or given up that were needless, that really could have helped out Auburn. Now, the biggest stumbling block throughout the day was definitely Auburn's receiving core. Multiple drop passes, a lot of errors in route running is what helped do Auburn in on Saturday, as well as the Kobe Hudson fumble in the beginning of the second half, which can be pointed to as a major turning point throughout the game. Kobe Hudson had four receptions for 66 yards. John Samuel Shanker had five receptions for 62 yards. Demetrius Robertson had five receptions for 23 yards. Malcolm Johnson Jr., one catch for 14 yards. Jarquez Hunter had two catches for five yards apiece. Shedrick Jackson had six yards off two catches. Javaris Johnson and Tank Bigsby both had one catch for three yards and one yard respectively. And Auburn really, really, really needs to do a better job of getting the receivers involved on good called plays and good route running if they don't want to be a one-dimensional team, which historically do not do very well. Now, the Auburn rushing game was awesome on Saturday. Tank Bigsby, 23 carries, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Jarquez Hunter, nine carries for 63 yards. And Bo Nix also scrambled for 29 yards off of six carries, which that is a good thing in the way that he knows when to just get out of the pocket and take off. He has the legs to do that. So it'll be good to see Bo doing that more this season. Defensively, Auburn overall did a good job defensively. You held Penn State to 5 out of 10 um, success rate on third down, and that that's a good thing going forward. They need to capitalize on that as the schedule starts to get tougher with LSU next week and Georgia the following week. Um, you need to get your offense back out on the field. The only Auburn forced turnover of the day was a Roger McCreary interception, the one I mentioned earlier towards the end of the first half off of Sean Clifford. And Auburn only turned the ball over once. I mentioned earlier it was the Kobe Hudson fumble at the beginning of the second half, which, like I said, can be pointed to as a major turning point in the game. But at least it was only one turnover. It certainly could have been a lot worse. Moving forward with that game, another compliment I have of Auburn is Bo Nix played decently, a lot better than people were expecting him to. He has definitely been one of the biggest question marks for Auburn, not only going into this game, but going into the season in general. And he has performed almost up to par so far. 
As I mentioned, 21 for 37 for 185 yards is nowhere near Bo's worst stat line. There is certainly always room for improvement, but he is definitely trending in the right direction. And I believe that he will continue to improve and gain more confidence as the season moves along. Another pro for Auburn is John Samuel Schenker. After the first three games of the season, the tight end appears to be emerging as Bo Nix's favorite target. The Penn State game was no exception as John Samuel has had five receptions for 62 yards. And that he has been a very, very momentum player for Auburn this season, and I expect that to continue. Another thing to mention that Auburn had to punt the ball four times, which is less than less than expected. Um, they did a good job of moving the ball, getting in the field goal range at least, if not scoring a touchdown. And that's definitely something that they're they they can improve they can improve on moving the ball definitely, but it's progress from where they've been. And one thing I wanted to get to with this game is the officiating was one of the worst in recent college football memory. Um, Penn State was forced to punt the ball on third down, which is unacceptable if that was the only thing that happened. Um, Another thing that comes to mind is the Zacoby McClain targeting hit. And after reviewing the rules, like, yes, you can can call that targeting, but this rule is definitely one that needs to be revisited and amended so you don't have guys missing the game unjustly. And several missed um, intentional groundings on both sides, which – the referees often don't call that because they'll give the quarterback a benefit of the doubt that so and so receiver wasn't where he was supposed to be with the route running, but that is still that only goes so far, and that penalty was missed many times. Pass interference is one that they also didn't they neglected the call many times. There were a lot of on both sides of uh, Auburn and Penn State a lot of pass interference mistakes that need to be avoided as the season rolls along. So overall take on the game, Auburn played decently, definitely shows progress, definitely shows promise, and will be able to hopefully make some noise down in Baton Rouge in two weeks, then they host Georgia the week after that. So definitely very, very big games coming up. And after the break, NFL talk here on the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest with your host, Daniel Locke. Today, so far, we have talked about my experience up in State College this past weekend, and now we are going to move into some NFL talk. Recapping last week, on Thursday Night Football, you had the New York Giants going to Maryland to take on the Washington football team in a very exciting game. Washington got a one-point victory over the Giants. Daniel Jones had arguably one of the best games of his career, going 22 for 32, 249 yards, and one touchdown. Taylor Heineke, 34 for 46, 336 yards, two touchdowns, and only one interception. Definite improvement for the Washington football team. Rushing. The New York Giants, who have Saquon Barkley, Their leading rusher was Daniel Jones, which is the most shocking thing that I've heard all football season so far. Daniel Jones had nine carries, 95 yards, and a touchdown. 
the leading rusher for the football team was Anthony Gibson, 13 yards, sorry, <laughs> 13 carries for 69 yards. Leading receiver for the Giants, Samuel Shepard, nine receptions, 94 yards. And leading receiver for the Washington football team is Terry McLaurin, who had 111 receptions, 102 yards, and a touchdown in the football team's effort to win a late fourth-quarter win over the New York Giants in one of the best games we've had so far this season. Now, the other games from last week were very good as well. The My New Orleans Saints laid a massive egg against the Carolina Panthers, losing 26-7, to which is extremely disappointing after a great week one against Green Bay. But I guess that is just how things go in the NFL. Cincinnati at Chicago, that was a good game. Justin Fields made his debut after Andy Dalton went down with an injury. Fields goes 6-for-13 with 90 yards and interception. Also, Joe Burrow, back after his season-ending injury last year, 19-for-30, 207 yards, two touchdowns, and three interceptions, which is definitely, definitely needs to improve as he is expected to lead the Bengals to new heights. Joe Mixon, 20 carries for 69 yards for the Bengals. David Montgomery, 20 carries for 61 yards for the Chicago Bears. Great defensive game. One of my favorites from Week 2. Moving forward, we have the Monday night matchup between Monday night matchup between the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers seemed to remember that he is, in fact, good at football as he went 22 for 27, 255 yards and four touchdowns. Jared Goff on the other side, 26 for 38, 246 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. It is also worth noting that Jared Goff was the Lions' leading rusher with four carries for 46 yards. Ultimately, one of the best performances from week three, two goes to Aaron Rodgers. And as we continue to look at the week two of the NFL and recapping it, Houston Texans, Cleveland Browns. Cleveland got the 31-21 victory, which is not surprising. Los Angeles Rams, Indianapolis Colts. The Rams took care of business 27-24 on the road. Buffalo Bills, Miami Dolphins. Buffalo takes the 35-0 road win, which is probably going to be one of the most dominant games you will see this season. New England Patriots, New York Jets. New England takes the 25-6 win. Another big AFC blowout. It definitely seems clear at this point who the two top dogs are in the AFC East in Buffalo and New England. San Francisco at Philadelphia. I actually almost went to this game before American Airlines decided to mess with my schedule on the way back from State College. 
but San Francisco picked up the 17-11 to win over Philadelphia. The Las Vegas Raiders, that's going to take some getting used to, traveled to the Pittsburgh Steelers and um, picked up a 26-17 to win. The Denver Broncos traveled down to Jacksonville, Florida to take on Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, and the Jacksonville Jaguars and left with a 23-13 to win. Very, very good win for Denver. Trevor Lawrence still looking to pick up his first W as an NFL quarterback. Minnesota Vikings at Arizona Cardinals. One of the one of the games I've seen a lot of stuff about as this week has gone on. Arizona took the 34-33 win off of a missed Minnesota field goal in the last seconds of the game. Very, very crucial um, ending to that one. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot about it as this year goes on. Atlanta Falcons at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay takes the win 48-25. to Great performance from Tampa Bay against a Falcons team that is just not very good. Um, probably one of the worst teams in the NFC. Cowboys at Chargers. Dallas got back on their feet after losing to Tampa Bay in Week 1. They beat the Chargers 20-17. to Tennessee Titans at Seattle Seahawks. Tennessee picks up the 33-30 to overtime win. One of the most thrilling games from this season so far. And then lastly, the Kansas City Chiefs going to visit the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Baltimore picks up the 36-35 win. Patrick Mahomes, 24-31, 343 yards, three touchdowns, and a rare interception from arguably the best quarterback in the league. Lamar Jackson, 8 for the Ravens, 18 for 25, 235 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 13 carries and 46 yards for the Chiefs, while, as always, Lamar Jackson was also the Ravens' leading rusher with 16 carries for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey was Mahomes' favorite target as he had seven receptions for 109 yards and one touchdown, and Malcolm Brown was Lamar Jackson's favorite target as he had six receptions for 113 yards and one touchdown. Looking forward to NFL Week 3 tonight, we have a matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. That'll be it'll be very interesting to see how the Texans do at the quarterback position, who they're going to trot out there, and what that will look like for them. Then on the Sunday slate, the Washington football team traveling up to Orchard Park, New York, to face off against the Buffalo Bills. I see the Bills picking up that win relatively, or not easily, but it'll be a hard-fought game, but I do think Buffalo takes the win. Chicago Bears traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. I'm going with the Browns on that one. The Baltimore Ravens are going to Detroit. I think they will pick up that win with relative ease. Indianapolis traveling down to Nashville to take on the Titans. I think that will be a close one, but I do think Indy pulls off the win. Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will win that game convincingly. My Saints going to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots in an attempt to bounce back after that bad Week 2 loss. 
I think we will just c- come just short of getting that win and move to 1-2 and two on the season. Atlanta Falcons at New York Giants, two 0-2 teams looking to find their footing this season. I think that the Saquon Barkley-led, yes, I said the Saquon Barkley-led, not the Daniel Jones-led New York Giants offense will run all over this bad, bad Falcons defense. It'll be a good day to be a Giants fan as they pick up that win. Cincinnati Bengals going to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. I think the Steelers will pick up that win in a low-scoring affair. Arizona Cardinals traveling down to Jacksonville, Florida to take on the Trevor Lawrence Jacksonville Giant Jacksonville Jaguars, sorry. And I think that they will pick up that win down there relatively easily. New York Jets going out to Mile High to take on the Denver Broncos. I think that Denver will pick up this win and be perhaps the worst 3-0 team we have ever seen in the NFL. Miami Dolphins at Las Vegas Raiders. I think that Las Vegas will take care of business with that one. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Los Angeles Rams. I think the I think Tampa Bay picks up this win. Definitely one of the most intriguing matchups this season. The spread is one and a half in Tampa Bay's favor. I can see that being a very, very interesting game. Um, what I'm seeing is a lot of experts are picking Los Angeles to pull off the upset. I have to say I'm not sure I see that, as you would need great quarterback play from Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles defense led by Aaron Donald definitely needs to show up in that one. Moving on through NFL Week 3, only a couple matchups left as we have the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Minneapolis, Minnesota to take on the Vikings. I think that the Vikings will still be reeling off that tough loss last week, and I think the Seahawks will get it done. Then on Sunday Night Football, you have the Green Bay Packers led by Aaron Rodgers traveling out to California to face Rodgers' favorite team as a child, the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers will be rolling out some sick uniforms this weekend. We talked about them on the Compact Discourse this morning. It was me, Jack Hart, Davis Carroll, and Bay Marks. You should definitely go back and listen to that on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And Sunday Night Football, I mean, excuse me, Monday Night Football, the Philadelphia Eagles travel down to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. I think that the Eagles will pick up this win. Um, I'm not very high on the Cowboys at all right now, and I think that this Eagles team is definitely a sleeper. Um, and I think that they could definitely win this NFC least division, as um, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman, the host of the scoreboard, call it. And I think that it'll be a relatively big of a statement game for the Philadelphia Eagles as they get it done to move to two and one on the season. I think that'll be one of I think that'll be one of the best matchups of this week. I think that Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith will do a good job against Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. We are about to take a quick break, but once we come back, we will be talking about Major League Baseball as the pennant race is heating up. Stay here. 
Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest. This is your host, Daniel Locke. Thank you for tuning in to our debut broadcast here on Weagle 91.1 FM. So far today, we have covered my experience in State College, Pennsylvania, where I saw the Auburn Tigers take on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Then we recapped week two in the NFL. We're going to take a little break from football for the third segment, although we will be going back to it for the fourth segment. And we'll be talking about the Major League Baseball pennant race as it is heating up. And we only have a little over a week left in the regular season. So it is definitely almost playoff time. It feels like playoff time with the weather. And everyone loves playoff baseball, so it's always fun to cover. So with about a little over a week left, the American League division leaders are pretty secure, with Tampa Bay holding an eight-game lead in the East, the Chicago White Sox holding a ten-and-a-half game lead in the Central, and the Houston Astros holding an eight-game lead in the West. My Boston Red Sox will most likely be hosting their heated rivals, the New York Yankees, in the American League wildcard game at Fenway Park. The Toronto Blue Jays, Seattle Mariners, Oakland Athletics could also potentially compete for that spot. It's worth noting I had the privilege of traveling up to Boston this summer and attending a few games at Fenway, which is a surreal experience that I would recommend to any sports fan. Just want to throw that in. The National League is a bit more competitive. The other team I support, the Atlanta Braves, are currently sitting at a two-game lead in the NL East with the Philadelphia Phillies trailing right behind them. The Milwaukee Brewers have an eight-game lead in the NL Central, and I don't see the St. Louis Cardinals catching up. The San Francisco Giants have a narrow two-game lead over the L.A. Dodgers. The current NL wildcard picture has the L.A. Dodgers hosting the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cincinnati Reds and the Philadelphia Phillies are in the third spot at fourth game, four and a half games back, and the San Diego Padres are next in line with six games back. Our MLB schedule tonight, as or going on right now, the Milwaukee Brewers have a 5-1 lead over the St. Louis Cardinals. That game is in the top of the seventh. Out on the West Coast, we have the Los Angeles Dodgers against the Colorado Rockies. That game is tied at 3-3 in the top of the fourth inning. In the middle of the third, the Oakland Athletics are leading the Seattle Mariners 1-0 in a very, very important matchup for seeding in the American League pennant race. The My Atlanta Braves are in the top of the third, tied at zero with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the San Francisco Giants are tied at zero with the San Diego Padres in the bottom of the first. But they do have their, the Padres do have the bases loaded, so we will see what happens with that. A lot of good baseball on tonight, as at 5 o'clock, the Chicago White Sox play the Cleveland Indians, and the Washington Nationals play the Cincinnati Reds. Both of those should be very good matchups. Looking forward to seeing them both. And some other games going on tonight, in addition to Thursday night football between the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. We have the Pittsburgh Pirates taking on the Philadelphia Phillies. We have the Texas Rangers visiting the Baltimore Orioles. The Toronto Blue Jays are visiting the Minnesota Twins. And the Houston Astros are visiting the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Both of those, all of those should be very good matchups. 
So some MLB news from throughout the day. A breakdown in the playoff push. Getting very competitive as the New York Yankees are right on the Boston Red Sox heels of taking over the second spot in the American League East, which would give them home field advantage in that wild card game. The Seattle Mariners have a one-game lead in the second-place spot in the AL West over the Oakland Athletics. That could also be very important for the playoff seeding. The Philadelphia Phillies could overtake the Atlanta Braves, which would make the Braves have to go play in the... which would probably result in the Braves missing the playoff completely because their record is not as good as the Giants and the Dodgers. So the Braves need to hold on to the NL East division if they want to have a chance of getting to play postseason baseball and avenging that ugly loss from the Dodgers last year. So I'm going to take a look at some of the league leaders right now. Um... First place with batting average, Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays. He's had a very good year, completely taking baseball by storm. Next up, you have Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. The young sensation who made a name for himself in the 2019 postseason is still tearing it up. Yoli Gurriel, who was part of that Houston, that notorious Houston Astros World Series squad, tearing it up at the plate this year. Trey Turner, who... Started the year with Washington and is now a Los Angeles Dodger as of the trade deadline when the Washington Nationals went full rebuild. He is fourth place from the plate. And Michael Brantley of the Houston Astros rounds out to the league hitting leaders. The pitching leaders at this point are Julio Urias of the Los Angeles Dodgers who has 18 wins. Adam Wainwright of the St. Louis Cardinals has 16 wins. Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees has 15 wins. Max Scherzer, who was part of the trade with Trey Turner from the Nationals to the Dodgers, has 15 wins. And Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies has 14 wins. Salvador Perez is leading the league in home runs at 46, with Vlad Guerrero right there with him, also who has 46 Shohei Otani, the hitting and pitching sensation from the Los Angeles Angels, is right there behind them with 45 home runs. Marcus Simeon of the Toronto Blue Jays has hit 41, and Fernando Tatis Jr. has hit 40. League leaders in ERA, Max Scherzer, who, as I mentioned earlier, was part of that blockbuster trade from the Nationals to the Dodgers at the trade deadline. He is an ERA of 208. Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers has an ERA of 2.34. Brandon Woodruff, also of the Brewers, has an ERA of 2.52. Walker Buehler of the Los Angeles Dodgers has a 2.58 ERA. And rounding out the top five ERA leaders is Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays, who has a 2.72 ERA. Very good season for those guys on the mound. Your RBI leaders at this point. Salvador Perez of the Kansas City Royals has a 115. Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox has 113. 
Adam Duvall, who was part of a trade deadline deal from the Miami Marlins to the Atlanta Braves, is 109 RBIs. Teoscar Hernandez of the Toronto Blue Jays has 109 RBIs as well as Duvall. And Rafael Devers of my Boston Red Sox has 105 RBIs. Your saves leaders at this point. Mark Melancon of the San Diego Padres has 37. Leon Hendricks of your Chicago White Sox has 34. Kenley Jansen of your Los Angeles Dodgers has 34 as well. Will Smith of your Atlanta Braves has 33. And Josh Hader of the Milwaukee Brewers has 33 as well as Will Smith. Your hit leaders, Vlad Guerrero Jr. leads that as well at 182. Trey Turner narrowly holds the second-place spot with 176. Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays is 175. And Whit Merrifield of the Kansas City Royals has 174. And Freddie Freeman, the famous Atlanta Braves first baseman, has 172. Strikeout leaders. Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies has 240. Robbie Ray of the Toronto Blue Jays has 238. Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees has 231. Once again, Max Scherzer dominating this year. He has 226. And Corbin Burns, also a great pitcher this year, has 221. Your league leaders in stolen bases, you have Starling Marte, who has 45. Whit Merrifield of Kansas City on the list again with 40. Trey Turner of the Washington Nationals slash Los Angeles Dodgers has 30. Cedric Mullins of the Baltimore Orioles has 30. And Miles Straw, who started the year with Houston but got traded to Cleveland during the deadline, has 27. And your leading pitchers in overall quality starts, Walker Buehler with 26, Robbie Ray with 22, Sandy Alcantara with 22, Adam Wainwright with 21, and Brandon Woodruff with 20. Very, very good year for those guys all around the league in both pitching and hitting areas. And I'm going to give my predictions for the playoffs. I think that the standings are going to stay roughly where they're at. No major changes in the National League. So I think the Atlanta Braves will be hosting the San Francisco Giants, and I think that they will ultimately fall to that very talented Giants team. Then I think the Dodgers will be playing against the Cardinals in the wild card round. I think the Cardinals pick up that win, and they will go to play the Brewers in a interdivision NL division round matchup, and I think that the Brewers will get it done. So I think the Dodgers will, yeah, I think the Dodgers will be hosting the Giants, and an interdivision NLCS, and I think that the Dodgers will get it done to advance to their second World Series appearance in the last few years. And in the American League side, I see that staying roughly the same as well. There's a lot of separation there between 
a lot of the teams who are in playoff contention. And I think that the... That's actually a really tough division to call at the moment. If I had to give a prediction right now, the Chicago White Sox are absolutely cooking. I think that they'll end up... I think that it'll be the White Sox and the Dodgers in the World Series, which will be a very refreshing matchup. Two teams that you don't really see... Well, you see the Dodgers in it all the time, but it'll be refreshing to see the other team from the Windy City get back in. And after the break, we are going to recall... Re, we're going to predict this week in college football. Stay right here. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest. This is Daniel Locke. Thank you for tuning in to our debut episode here on Weagle 91.1 FM. In the last segment today, we are going to preview this week in college football, starting with the game tonight between the Marshall Thundering Herd visiting, visiting the Appalachian State Mountaineers in Boone, North Carolina. Tickets as low as $23 if you are so inclined to attend this ultimate, ultimately fun matchup. And this one, the spread's in favor of Appalachian State. It's seven, like I said, in their favor. I think that they're going to pull this one off relatively easily. Moving on this week to tomorrow night, you have the Middle Tennessee State visiting Charlotte and North Carolina. I think that the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders will pick up the win. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons traveling to Virginia to take on the Cavaliers. I think that Wake gets this win. Liberty at Syracuse, this is an interesting one. Spread is in Liberty's favor. It's very rare to see the spread in a favor of a Group of Five team over a Power Five team. But it's six and a half for the Flames. I think former Auburn player Malik Willis will do very, very well against the Orange. And I think that Liberty keeps their success rolling and picks up that win. Villanova at the Penn State Nittany Lions. The Wildcats of Villanova will not be getting whited out like the Auburn Tigers did. But they will not... It is very, very, very improbable that the Wildcats will be leaving Happy Valley with a win in that contest. The Shamrock Series, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Soldier Field, and Chicago, Illinois. It is the big noon kickoff game on Fox. We The uniforms for these are awesome. We talked about them this morning on Compact Discourse. It was me, Jack Hart, Bay Marks, and Davis Carroll. You should check that out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Very, very interesting matchup here. The spread is in Wisconsin's favor by six and a half. I think that I think that Notre Dame will come away with the win. I think that they're going to bounce back after some, not losses, but disappointing games in the past couple weeks. And I think that they're going to do very well. The LSU Tigers are traveling to Starkville, Mississippi to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Both of these SEC schools have fallen on some rough, rough patches. Mississippi State more so than LSU, as LSU opened up this year with a devastating loss to UCLA. And I think that they've recovered since then. 
and I think that they're going to do a good job of coming out strong and winning this game. Mississippi State coming off a bad week last week and a controversial call against the Memphis Tigers. And I'm just going to call this one like it is. If you're a SEC school, you should not be complaining about bad officiating in a game that you lost to a group of five team. That's that's a, that's the nicest way to put it. LSU goes down, gets this win. Moving on, Missouri travels up to Chestnut Hill to take on the Boston College Eagles. I have to admit, I am very jealous that it is those SEC Tigers that get to go up to there. I love Boston. I love Boston College. I would love for Auburn to get to play there. Anyways, spread one and a half in favor of Missouri. I think that the Boston College Eagles get this win off the home field advantage. Should be a very, very interesting game. Moving on, Florida International at Central Michigan. Central Michigan takes this win relatively easily, sends the Panthers home sad. New Hampshire at Pittsburgh. Pitt gets that win, not even worth looking into. Richmond at Virginia, Virginia Tech, excuse me. Virginia Tech takes home that win. Bowling Green at Minnesota. Let's look a little deeper into that one. The spread, ooh. (laughs) <laughs> the spread is 31 in favor of the Golden Gophers. I think that they will take that win with relative ease. The next game that I see that I want to talk about is UMass at Coastal Carolina. Mostly just want to talk about this one because I love Coastal Carolina. The spread is in their favor with 36. I think that that should be a very, very good day for the Chanticleers. Colorado State at Iowa. I think that this could be a fun matchup to watch for about a quarter or so, but I do think that the Hawkeyes will pull away with it. The spread's in their favor by 23 and a half. I don't see the Hawkeyes having their perfect season spoiled this week. Um, perhaps the biggest matchup of the week, 230 CBS, 7th t- ranked Texas A&M Aggies. Facing the surprisingly 16th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. The spread is in A&M's favor at 4.5. I think that Texas A&M is going to play a very, very tough game. But I think that they're going to fall to this Arkansas team. Arkansas seems to be the elite team offensively. As Texas A&M has struggled to put up points this year. Versus teams such as Colorado. And as we all know, Arkansas pulled off a great upset against the Texas Longhorns in the second week of the year. I think that their luck doesn't stop here. I think that they beat the number 7th ranked Texas A&M Aggies from AT&T Stadium in Dallas. Iowa State at Baylor, another very interesting um, interconference matchup. The spread is in um, Iowa State's favor by seven. I see this game going either way, but ultimately I think that the home field advantage is going to be enough for Baylor to pull off the win. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are going to play the number 19th ranked Michigan Wolverines in Ann Arbor. Spread is in Michigan's favor by 21. 
I think that the Wolverines are going to get this win and their season will keep going while handing Rutgers their first loss. Louisville at Florida State, another very interesting matchup as Louisville seems to be doing pretty good against Florida teams this season as last week they knocked off the Gus Malzahn coached UCF Golden Knights in a very interesting game from kickoff to the final play. I had a fun time watching that one during my flight from Atlanta to Philadelphia to go watch the best college football game last week, but a very good game nonetheless. The spread is in Louisville's favor by a point and a half. ESPN's matchup predictor is giving them a 53.4% chance of pulling off this win. I think that it'll be one of the most underrated matchups this week. I think it'll be very exciting, and I think that the Cardinals will be heading back to Kentucky happily. So moving on, we have the Georgia State Panthers visiting the Auburn Tigers, the 23rd-ranked Auburn Tigers. Auburn only fell one spot after the loss to Penn State last weekend, as we knew they would not take a big hit at all. Very tough environment, and they did a decent enough job. Um, the spread is in Auburn's favor by 27. I could, I see Auburn should not should not have any trouble getting this game under under control. They should win, but as any Auburn fan will tell you, they never do what they should. In most cases, they always find a way to beat around the bush with getting the job done. So, Tennessee at Florida, another very good matchup. 6 o'clock ESPN. The spread is in Florida's favor by 19. (coughs) But you have to wonder, will they be reeling off those Bama Blues after last week's close loss, and will they be able to regroup and get the job done against the Volunteers this week. We will know very, very soon. Nebraska at Michigan State, another big Big Ten matchup. (coughs) Spreads in Michigan State's favor by five. The over-under is 52. (coughs) I think that... (coughs) Uh, Excuse me, allergy season. Michigan State picks up this win relatively easily, keeps their undefeated season going, and their perfect conference record alive. West Virginia and Oklahoma, one of the top Big 12 matchups this week. Spreads in Oklahoma's favor by 17, But the West Virginia Mountaineers have been a pain in the side of the Sooners in the past few years. I don't think the West Virginia Mountaineers will be able to pull off this upset, but I do see them giving Oklahoma a scare early in the game and making it competitive for a little while. Southern Miss at number one ranked Alabama. Alabama should have no problem at all beating this Golden Eagles team. But that's what people are saying about Florida, and look what happened there. I could see Southern Miss playing tough for a quarter, but I think that will be about it. 
21st ranked North Carolina travels down to Atlanta to take off the take on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. I think that the Tar Heels pick up this win, but I do think that it'll be a little tough for them to do so. I would like to thank you for tuning in to my debut episode of the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I will be back next Tuesday or next Thursday at three. And um, until next time,